Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson from The Athletic. It is finally USC week for Notre Dame, Monday, October 18th. Notre Dame coming off of a bye week, as is USC, and Notre Dame is in mid-semester break, which can be good or bad, I guess, depending upon uh, whether you can capture the attention and imagination of your players without classes. But, uh, hey, it's it's USC week. O'Malley, as you said, the people at USC must think the weather is always good here because it's sunny today, and we're expecting a beautiful day on Saturday for uh, USC's visit to Notre Dame Stadium. The best weekend every year. It's always perfect for when USC arrives, and I think today relevance from from Brian Kelly coming going down the injuries um, to borrow Pete's favorite line. The bye week came at a good time for the injured Irish, but uh, Michael Mayer, uh, Brian Kelly said, looks to be 100. percent Chris Tyree will be back, and uh, thought it was interesting. Tyler Buckner was not 100 percent last week, which meant but that he admitted it, and he should be this week. Obviously, with an ankle injury for Tyler Buckner, he has to be at least 95 percent to. Uh, justify his position in there helping out Jack Cohn and no surprises on the depth chart. They did not include Andrew Christophic, but uh, Christophic will start at left guard for Brian Kelly. And Joe Alt yeah. at left tackle, yeah, which, Joel, uh, left tackle. Yep. which I think everybody feels like that's something that you can build upon with the performance against Virginia tech. I think we have a question about Notre Dame's ability to run against USC as compared to Virginia tech. And I think there are some favorable matchups if Notre Dame can, can build upon uh, build upon that. Jack Cohn is the starter this week. Brian Kelly came out and said that, and the plan is to go into the USC game with a similar approach, and that is that Jack Cohn's a starter and Tyler Butner is ready to roll if the offense struggles, which it generally has early in the game under Jack Cohn in recent weeks. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was significant that Buckner got a bunch of reps last week. Um, you know, because th- then you're not just sitting there. I mean, we're all taking Brian Kelly's word on this, but you're not taking his word on a projection of we hope things are going to get better. Like Buckner's actually done work, so that's positive. Um, yeah, it's for a team that is kind of scuffling and trying to find itself. It does seem like they can pick up something from Virginia Tech and move forward with it if Cohn and Buckner are available to work in tandem. If Alton Kristoffic is the left side of your line. Um, certainly the defense has some stuff to get cleaned up, but then again, like won't like the mobile quarterback issue wouldn't get tested this week, nor would it get tested, I think, against North Carolina a whole lot. So um I'm interested to sort of see how the secondary holds up against kind of its first real kind of air raid opponent. Yeah, with some big time. I mean, obviously Drake London's a big time receiver, but they have some other guys that that I that I think have been impressed. I think this is. I know a lot of people would like to see the change at quarterback, but I think that this is a good opponent for Jack Cohn to be starting against. Uh, it, it's a it's a group that has been spread out a little bit and given up some yardage. They've given up twelve touchdown passes, which uh, which is a lot uh, at, at this point. Uh, so Jack Cohn yeah. will start. I we did. I don't think we mentioned Michael Carmody is now playing tight end to take the place of what Joe Alt was doing since Joe Alt has moved in the starting lineup. Kevin Bauman, Nordame's tight end situation, still a little bit dicey with Kane Barong out. Brian Kelly said MCL. I thought it was yeah. ACL. MCL. Yeah. Uh, either way, he's he is done for the rest of the season, a non-contact injury. And, of course, we saw him in the game deep into the fourth quarter against Virginia Tech. Kevin Bauman still a couple of weeks away. Jacob Lacey 
that was a high ankle sprain. I think during the game, it looked like a knee and he's going to miss um, a couple more weeks, but guys, just your thoughts on this USC team, Brian Kelly pointed it out. They've won, they've lost, they've won, they've lost, they won, they've lost. And they're due for a win based upon that pattern that, the, that they've set. Well, they've I mean, they're this, yeah. They're the second longest winning streak of, in road games in college football at eight. Tied with Notre Dame, um, trailing Ohio State at 11. But the last time USC lost on the road was at Notre Dame two years ago. So I'm not sure how applicable that is. I mean, it's just a, the program. I mean, <laughs> the program to, to is. To say that they're due for like a win because they're every other, it kind of undersells the fact of total yes. catastrophe. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're but, due for another interim coach. Um, and like, it's it's just all over the place. I I don't. USC is sort of like a drunk fighter at a bar, like just <laughs> swinging. Like maybe they'll connect. Maybe they'll punch themselves out. Who knows? Like they, there's really nothing to be confident in, like one way or the other. With USC, no, but they're right? but they're gonna play well against Notre Dame, Tim. Right? I think. Yeah, I think so. I think Kelly. I do think Kelly is on. There's a lot of coach speaking there, but you're onto something when you say they they play better on the road right now because they don't want to be at home. I mean, they just there's just more <laughs> junk going on at home, and they, they probably do yeah. play better on the road. It's you're in a better situation coming in here as a as a total underdog that has an interim coach, and it's a strange. I mean, it's not the first time. It's a strange situation. Like like Ed Orgeron came in there as an interim coach, right? I mean, it's just there's a lot of yeah. weird. There's he came in in 2013 as an interim coach. It's Brian Kelly brought it up after he set the record or tied the record, Newt Rockney's record. He mentioned for no reason whatsoever that USC has gone through a bunch of coaches during his tenure in, in South Bend, and. It's it throws things off, man. Tim, you look at the tape and you you see the athletes are always there and they have a dominant wide receiver. It's just so strange they can't get it together. And there there's for all the athletes, there's still millions of mistakes that go on too. Yeah, there yeah. I, I mean I do think they have good individual players. They just don't play well as a unit per se. I Conte Ingram, their running back who transferred from Texas, I think is a good player. He would play at Notre Dame. Um you know, Keaton Slovis, when Keaton Slovis has time to throw, he's going to be effective. And they've done a pretty good job of protecting him, um, you know, so far. They're among the top, I don't know, 20 or so, 15 and in, in fewest sacks allowed. But they have a couple receivers besides Drake London who really can. You know, Drake London's different than uh, maybe I, I may want to save a little bit for the second segment about Drake London because I think he was – we pulled – I think I actually I pulled that question. Drake London's different – than Michael Pittman, who Notre Dame schemed against two years ago, did a great job of taking him out of the game, but then other receivers and their tight end and their running backs yeah. got involved. And we do have a question in the second segment about how Marcus Freeman will approach that differently than Clark Lee did. But I think it's a similar, kind of a similar situation. The difference is that London is, London's still more of an, uh, he's 6'5", 6'4", 6'5". He's still more of an underneath receiver that runs after the catch, whereas Michael Pittman was always trying to take the top off of the defense. Yeah, I think there's two things. London can kind of control the game the way Michael Floyd could control a game when it was working. You know, he cuts things up all over the place. Um, but I think the best part about Drake London is Amon Ross St. Brown is not the other wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, that was an issue. When, when <laughs> You don't want to talk about some talent they had. Yeah, yeah it's, you- a, it's a strange team, man. I mean, they're pretty good on third down both offensively and defensively, but like they don't, 
something like 120th in tackles for loss. I read that doesn't yeah, and they're ba- make they're, sense for USC either. You know, it's uh, they're bad in the red zone both sides. Check yeah. this out. Defensively, the opponents have had 23 penetrations into the red zone, and 17 have gone for touchdowns. I mean, they just don't. You know. And yeah, so your hands you know, up, it's over when they're yeah, in. That's and, it. They scored. And I think, and I think one of the the issues here to be concerned with is that USC, when they're playing well and they're giving Slovis time to throw, they can put some points on the board. Can Notre Dame get into a shootout? Are they in a position to get into a shootout with their offense right now? I, USC certainly has enough bend in their defense where that could happen. But I don't, you know, we haven't exactly witnessed Notre Dame zipping up and down the the, the field this year and, and putting a lot of points on the board. Yeah. USC is the worst yards per play defense Notre Dame will play this year, which yeah. just blows your mind. Um, so there should be, in in concert with the bye and getting Michael Mayer back, like a pretty good natural uptick for Notre Dame's offense this week. Like they should be able to get in the 30s, and when they do. Let's resist the temptation to be like, Notre Dame's offense has arrived. Like 30 should be a minimum. Like if they're in the high 30s and they push 40, then I feel like you're like, maybe you're seeing something that's a little different. Yeah, we do have a question that asked about the defenses that Notre Dame face in the first half of the season and what they're going to face in the second half of the season. And it should be much more forgiving. There's, there's, uh, there's really no doubt about that. But yeah, I mean, they're giving up 8.4 yards per pass, which is per pass attempt, which is 112th in the nation. Uh, they just, and, and the, you know, their names on the back end of that defense that everybody's going to recognize. They've been playing yeah. for a couple of years, gen- generally speaking. And the big, you know, the real key here is, is Drake Jackson, um, who, as you pointed out, Pete, last week left the, left the field in their last game against Utah with a walking boot on. I, I see that he's listed as questionable. I don't know how much credence to put into that. But if he is not 100, he probably is not 100%, which is huge, huge for Nordane because him and Corey Foreman, the highly touted freshman, uh, 6'5", 265, those two guys are good pass rushers, but I do think that there's some give up the middle. I'll tell you what, Tim, I, I you know, you told me that um, Mauga, their, their middle linebacker, and then Brian Kelly mentioned him again today. Man, I have not seen what you guys have seen uh, in terms of his productivity. So I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more uh, film footage on him. My point being that I think that there is some room for Notre Dame to run between the defensive ends. Oregon State rushed for 322 yards That's against awful. this defense. and That's and insane. and they, But they've had other games where they've been really, really good. So I don't get it. But if you watch any of that footage against Oregon State, they're just running up and down the field against USC. You know, it's it's interesting. We spent what it was at uh, the Wisconsin week where I said you got to almost abandon the first down run because second and ten and second and or second and twelve is no way to operate through life offensively. They give up five yards of carry on first down runs. I mean, I just so you, you tell almost me have how, to go back. You, you I mean, tell you, me you, how good. Tell me how good. I know good now it's like is. there's so much there. <laughs> right? No, it's yeah. He, I think he's probably a situation where he makes plays and then gives up. He taketh and he giveth away, right? That's uh, I, I think I think shocking, that's accurate, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a strange team. Um, clearly, they have to be better than their statistics, right? Well, and, and like I say, sometimes they are. 
I think they are. I think some teams are better than their, I, sometimes you're not, but I do think it's a team that's better than their statistics. Um, the line feels right. Seven point spread, doesn't it? 58 over under. Yes. And you're, you're not, gonna, yeah. you're not thinking it should, it shouldn't be a 10 point spread. I don't no, think no, no. I don't like the no. Right line. I mean, I think yeah. I, the first I had seen was six and a half and I thought that was probably the best number i guess it's inched up a little bit but uh hey we'll talk more about uh usc versus notre dame in segment two burning up the boards the indiana whiskey company in south bend indiana delivers great whiskey at honest prices founded in 2011 by notre dame alumni and military veterans the company set out to prove that indiana has everything needed to make a world-class whiskey the indiana whiskey company has been producing whiskey and only whiskey for eight years running and they want you to know they're getting pretty good at it. If you are in town for a game, visit the distillery for some pregame cocktails and a bottle of whiskey for your tailgate. For more information, go to ionwhiskey.com. Cheers and go Irish. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is burning up the boards, and we start with a question from TJ from PA70. How does the USC front seven compare to the Virginia Tech front seven and can they be more successful on the ground than two weekends ago against Florida or uh, Virginia Tech? Well, I mean, this USC certainly has more higher end talent, um, you know, with Drake Jackson and Corey Foreman. But I don't know. I'd, you would like to think that Notre Dame will have more success regardless of the opponent because they have a better idea of who they are at the line with all the Christophic you know, more, a better idea of like what Buckner can run, what he can't. Um, and certainly there's a lot more that Buckner can run now. So I, yeah, I, I would think that they would have more success this weekend, but it, the reason for that probably wouldn't have much to do with the comparing of front sevens. Right. I got a question over the weekend specifically about Virginia tech. Can they build on Virginia tech? Can they be better than the Virginia tech game? And I, the best way to answer was, I don't remember the exact yardage. I'm looking at it now. But at the time, I didn't remember the exact yardage they had against Virginia Tech. I just knew it was enough for a sustainable running game and offense going forward. And I think that's, I think that holds true, right? I mean, you tell me 175 yards rushing against USC, I think Notre Dame will win the game. Yeah, yes. I'm not sure that they reached that level. It ended no, up actually it, being 180 against Virginia Tech. But, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure they actually reached that because I think there's more to be had in the passing game than yeah. there was against Virginia Tech. Sure. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, again, we've been talking about this lately. I Putting a number on it can really, really, really be misleading. It's, you know, do you convert on third and one? Are you, you know, are can you can consistently get into second and five, second and four, those kind of situations? It's uh, it's situational running, and I think that Notre Dame, Notre Dame, can make some inroads against their nose tackles and defensive tackles. Can you have a longer game than eleven yards, which is what it was against Virginia Tech? I mean, yeah, that's the long game again. Yeah, I, can't, I think it's that, a strange situation that they, I they think had they will. such success. Yeah, I agree. You know, and you you wonder, USC is. Not, <laughs> I mean, you think about two years ago, and and the whole idea of USC's defense playing contain, I, I can see the defensive players at USC laughing at, at a coach trying to suggest to them that they have to play contain football. They just, that's just not who USC is, uh, you know, in terms of aggressiveness and chase right. everything down. 
I, 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 again, I don't want to put a number on it, but I do think the Norton can have enough success running the football that it will assist in the, with the passing game. Next from Terry Benedict. When I think of recent games against USC, I think of speed on the outside, like Braden Lindsay, what does he need to do to break out this game? Is it more on play calling or on Lindsay? Yeah, I think it's play calling. And if you think about two years ago, Lindsay had the 50 yard jet sweep yeah. run this USC defense will, you know, if you, if you give them misdirection and get them thinking one way, as opposed to the other, I think you're going to, you're going to snap off some big plays against them because they just aren't, they don't play disciplined enough football. Um, at least they haven't at home. Maybe the, maybe, maybe, the, maybe they are, if they, you know, I mean, eight wins in a row on the road. That's, I think that's what Notre Dame's is right now. Yeah. Seven or yep. eight. Yeah. Eight. Uh, that's, uh, that's an interesting uh, comparison there, but yeah, it's play calling. And I, I think Tommy Reese will be very well aware of how undisciplined USC's defense can be. Yeah. And it's like, whether that benefits Braden Lindsay or Avery Davis or Chris Tyree, Chris Tyree. it doesn't matter. Um, you know, so it's like, you would like to see some ability to capitalize on USC's poor fundamentals on defense, you know, yeah, but it doesn't matter who, who doesn't. And number 87 will be back in lineup for Notre Dame this week. And he wasn't against Virginia Tech, Michael Mayer. And that certainly is going to present uh, a few more problems for, for USC as well. A uh, question from CMU Penns fan. How do you think Marcus Freeman will attack the USC offense as opposed to what Clark Lee would do? Well, that was a unique – I mean, if we're just going back to he's, – he's faced him twice. And 2019 was a unique game plan. That I, I can't recall totally giving up the run <laughs> to try to stop an All-American or a future first-round draft pick from beating you when you have a quality defense like that. That was a unique move by Clark Lee. I mean, it angered it angered many people, if you recall, during the game. Yeah, it got a little scary. Yeah. yeah. Gave up a little too much to it. I mean, especially when you had a, a, uh, a runner in step that was um, inspired the way he was running. That was not a that was not a normal effort running the football against Notre Dame. He was he was a handful that day. Uh, I do not think Marcus Freeman will have something similar to Clark Lee, though, because it's just anathema what he does. He he'll attack more, and then you got to do something for you got to do something. Brian Kelly said you, you got a game record on the outside, though. You got to do something about him. Well, I mean, they play the way I was just saying, like the way they play nickel and dime is like it's a pretty big umbrella that's fairly deep. Um, you know, the way Notre Dame aligns itself in nickel, it's strange to me where it's like you have five guys way back and then you have six guys crammed up in the line of scrimmage and nothing in the middle of it. Um, so I'm, I'm sure he'll do something differently. But like, I mean, we've seen Marcus Freeman install a 4-4 for Wisconsin. Um you know, the dime stuff came out, I think, in week three against Purdue. Mm -hmm. uh, so this a, a new scheme or a, a unique twist on an old scheme, I think, is totally in bounds because we've already seen him do it. Yeah, and I think, you know, Houston Griffith, who has kind of been, you know, the last line of defense, I guess, literally and figuratively. Maybe he's the guy that, the, you know, they bracket uh, London over the top. You, you can't. And Brian Kelly mentioned it. I, you know, I said, how in the world do you stop him? He said, well, I'll do what Stanford did because Stanford did limit that, him to four receptions. And I need to, to take a closer look, but I would imagine, you know, there's some, some bracketing with him. Uh, I, you know, I, you don't, you just, 
I'm not really sure exactly how Stanford prevented him from catching a football because it is just so difficult to do because the contested catches, he, he wins. He just wins. He comes back to the ball extremely well. But they do have some receivers that, you know, besides him, they can hurt you. Not Probably not to the extent of St. Brown and, and uh, Tyler Vaughn's from a couple years ago. Uh, but they'll do I, – I agree with you, Pete. I mean, they'll do something different. Uh, I don't think that they will – I don't think that they will stay in something that isn't working like two years ago. Yeah. Although, you know, as you say, the five-yard passes uh, or, or uh, what Chuck Martin used to Chuck say Martin, about that. Yeah. They're, tight, they're tight ends. They could get the tight ends more involved. One of their – one of their really talented tight ends, Michael Trigg, I believe, is hurt, uh, which is which is beneficial for Notre Dame. You know, I will say to Chuck Martin's point, the the, the hitch is I never went to a meeting and said the hitch beat us. His is his commentary that yeah. eight yard hitch is what killed us. The eight yard hitch could really hurt you if you if it gets Drake London more involved in the game. Because it's eight yard catch or it's a six yard catch and then a seven yard run, and that 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 can add up. So that might not be the uh that might not be the path this time. Yeah, it'll be, to get going. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And there's more to Marcus Freeman's defensive package than there was with Clark Lee. So I think right. that they have they have a few more things that they can dip into. And I think it'll be a little like David Bell. They were concerned about David Bell. That was one of the more important things of that game. The USC has more pieces, but they were they did not want David Bell to beat them. Yeah, he and it's it, interesting. Yeah. And actually, Brian Kelly was asked about that. And they are. I mean, physically, two very different, very, very different players. But, you know, like I said, I mean, I I think that London is more of a – he doesn't even – he's not a take-the-top-off kind of guy. They want to get the football in his hands uh, and and let him get yards after the catch. And the differentiator there is that he's – Brian Kelly said 6'4", USC lists him at at 6'5". From Caden MC, considering five of six defensive face are in the top 30 in the nation and only one offense face was top 30, that's Cincinnati – Relatively speaking, is it Reese or Freeman doing a better job so far? Uh, I don't. I don't know who's doing a better job. The point is taken. It was something I asked Brian Kelly about um, today, as far as the defenses that they faced, and they were aware that they faced some really good defenses. He's not going to say that hey, they can make inroads against the remaining six, but I'm sure that they feel that way. This is part of the reason why we haven't. I, I'll only speak for myself. Part of the reason why I haven't. Uh, condemned Tommy Reese, like a lot of people have, is because knowing that the offensive line has been as leaky as it's been, the quarterback situation, and that they did face some good defenses uh, early on. It, it, this it, it was a, a transitional year for Notre Dame offensively, losing your quarterback and four offensive linemen, and I think he's done a good job. I'm not going to compare per se. Freeman had a lot more coming back. Reese has had to rebuild a little bit. He's gone up against some really good defenses. Um, I would I would definitely go with Freeman if, for no other reasons than the Rams quarterback situation is so unsettled that like that's not a real compliment to like you know who you are offensively. Like Freeman has figured out who they are defensively and it, it took a couple games, but they're there and offensively Notre Dame's not there yet. I yeah, I, I don't I'm more along the lines of the former for what you said, Tim, that um the offensive line is why we don't judge Tommy Reese that harshly because it's you are playing with an arm tied behind your back, which you mentioned. It affects the entire operation. I think they've played good, solid, quality defenses. I don't want to start overhyping 
the defense is like Wisconsin has a solid D Cincinnati clearly has a good D Florida state have a good D. I mean, they have some good football players. They Purdue, good, Purdue. They have, yeah. They yeah, have a good Purdue, D line, but right. Right. Purdue's fine, but let's, I mean, come on. When Ohio state lights up Purdue, we're not going to be talking about Purdue like we did against Iowa. Right. That they're fine. They played Notre Dame well because Notre Dame couldn't block anybody. That's, but I, I clearly now, if the offensive line is getting better, you'd hope to see the best version of Notre Dame's offense. I just think it is still a miracle to me. They scored 32 offensive points about Michael Mayer on the road against Virginia tech. So as of now, props, props to Tommy Reese for his last outing. And prior to that, we would not have said it against Cincinnati, right? No, certainly not against Cincinnati. And, and, you know, I think, Really, the most, and I said, I said this in a previous podcast. The most notable part of the performance against Virginia Tech was the four touchdowns and four red zone appearances. And Virginia Tech had only allowed four right. touchdowns all season and seven penetrations. So, um, you know, if that's something that they could build on, uh, and USC is bad in the red zone defensively, Nordam needs to take advantage of that opportunity. So, Tommy Reese has to be a great play caller once again in the red zone. Question from uh, the Irish Rover, do you want Notre Dame to seriously pursue Spencer Rattler this offseason or roll with the quarterback room they have instead? No. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a really good uh, teammate. And Brian Kelly yeah, was talking today about – Definitely not happening. Yeah, uh, uh, Pete, you asked about – Yeah, you know, that, which had nothing to do with Spencer Rattler. No, no, I know. You asked about the quarterback room and he talked about – you know, the chemistry and you know that when you recruit them and, and uh, you know, here we're talking about Spencer Rattler who didn't take the benching in the Texas game very well. Apparently he was oblivious to the way he was playing. Um, <laughs> they all quarterbacks often are though. That's, that's, yeah. But yeah. I mean, to the extent yeah. that you see Notre Dame's quarterbacks, you literally see them pulling for one another when, when one of the three is in the game and the other two yeah. are on the sideline and that's not Spencer Rattler. So, I get the talent. Uh, they would certainly like that talent, but I'm not sure that that adds to the chemistry of the Notre Dame quarterback. I mean, room. you go back to high, he was suspended in high school for I think half a season. Um, like, <laughs> if you're if you're a five star prospect in high school, you got to do a lot of stuff to get suspended. So that's not that's not what I'm looking for uh, if I'm Brian Kelly in my quarterback room. And I know people laugh at the term traits, but it's part of the reason why Notre Dame is a top ten well, team every yeah, year. Yeah, and it's not it's not a chance you're you're messing up your quarterback's room chemistry. You are definitively messing up your quarterback yeah. room's chemistry. It's not like another Jack Cone comes in, you hope he fits in. Right. <laughs> this is not even close. So Yeah. I don't think we don't think Spencer Rattler no. is going to be playing football for Notre Dame next year. Uh, but he'll be somewhere else. And he'll be in the starting lineup somewhere else. Right. Indy Sushi. What does Logan Diggs' skill set bring to the table at RB3? Um, we, you know, we didn't get a chance. We didn't have our normal Monday gathering with Brian Kelly. So we would ask him last Monday this. Uh, and I, I brought up Logan Diggs to him. And three of the words that he used were, again, in the Virginia Tech environment, first time in the backfield. Three of the words that he used were uh, poise patience and then he talked about his blocking ability you you don't you don't hear too many true freshman running backs making their right. first appearance in a place like virginia tech and the head coach mentions poise patience and the ability to block i was very he's impressed good, with what yeah. he did out there 
good all around back, right? Like, I mean, it yeah. just seems like he's somebody that does everything well. Like, he's, I don't know if he's amazing at any one thing, but like, he's just going to be a really good college player. You consider what Deion Colsey did on that route to kind of cripple. It wasn't all his fault, but to cripple a drive and Logan Diggs had none of that. That's people just don't think about that enough that the freshman out there in that situation is not the freshman that you had in practice who was also making mistakes. Like it's not like Deion Colsey runs every route properly in practice at this point either. I just impressed mentally with Logan Diggs. And I mean, that's, that's probably it for old SIBO. You don't get suspended twice when you have a freshman like that behind you. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I think what we're going to see from Diggs and he, he, I think I talked about this. He, he almost scored a touchdown or he came close to, to evading a, a yeah. an arm tackle and scoring. And I think that is the distinguishing characteristic that we're going to see emerge with him is his, his elusiveness uh, in traffic. Uh, he showed it in high school. And I think that that just for, to have a first performance like that is really, really impressive. He only had 29 yards on six carries. It wasn't spectacular, but just to hit the ground running and to, to elicit those types of, comments from Brian Kelly is really impressive. It's probably more important that he did all the other things than if he would have had 59 yards rushing on those carries, because you already know he could run the ball. That, yeah. that wasn't a problem getting him out there. So I think, I think that bodes well for the rest of the season. Yeah. This question, question from Donnelly 34, 34, how many players will make up Mike Bray's rotation? This question was asked from every season, 2000 to 2021. <laughs> Hub, Lashesky, Ryan, Goodwin, Atkinson, Wirtz, and Wesley. That is the seven. Uh, will there be an eighth? What happened to Robbie Carmody? Man, we get more questions about Robbie Carmody, and he couldn't he possibly be silent. any further away from the rotation. He just is not going to overcome the injuries. Right. And if he does, he is so far down the list right now that uh, we're not answering any more Robbie Carmody questions. <laughs> Donnelly, 34-34, no offense, but uh, he's not in the rotation. Uh, it's a good question. It's a legitimate question and one that I need to – follow up with Mike Bray on because clearly, and Tim and I were at the practice last yep. Wednesday, they clearly have made a great commitment to being better defensively. Anthony Solomon was brought back in. That's his, his uh, decree here in his, his uh, next trip through Notre Dame. And uh, so my, my point being that if you're going to commit to defense, which it, they clearly are, how can you only play a seven man rotation? Right. You're going to run those guys into the ground. If you, if you don't go deeper than that. I think when he said seven, he was asked at ACC. Um, I'm sorry, not tournament ACC uh, media day. If you had to play North Carolina, who are you playing now? And he listed the seven guys. And then he's talked about getting an eighth. He even joked, he was walking out. He picked up his notes, Tim. I don't know if you heard this part. He picked up his notes leaving the practice and he looks down and he said, which one of you guys came up and wrote down play an eighth man? I did. Got, got joking. <laughs> no, I did hear that because <laughs> when we met with him a couple weeks earlier, he had just said, you know, hell with it. I'm not playing in my 22nd year. You think I'm going to go deep on my bench when I've never done it? And we can all laugh at it in that situation. But it's something that he has to give strong consideration now that they are finally making a total commitment defensively. Um, you know, so number seven is either, well, I'm sorry. No, number uh, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Blake, yeah. Blake Wesley is technically number seven, but I'm hearing a lot of rumblings that he's higher than that in the pecking order, which is yeah. great news. 
So number eight is between J.R. Konesny, the, the other freshman from South Bend, and Tony Sanders Jr., who brings a lot of athleticism to the to the equation. And so he has to play eight. Yeah, well, yes, I think it's more of a he, he can get through the first big game of seven, <laughs> and then, of course, it goes, it goes from there. I, I, I'm guessing that uh, over Thanksgiving weekend, when you're playing some quality teams, he'll be playing seven players, but he has to look into developing that eighth. You mentioned Sanders, Tim, and I wasn't really considering it until I watched him out there. I mean, he does add some quickness and length. He had a pair of open threes. I'm not sure how much they want him shooting him, but he hit a pair of open threes. He missed a breakaway layup point blank, and that's a concentration thing. And as we talked about kind of briefly today, that's not going to get you in the lineup. He can't, he can't be doing that, yeah. obviously. I, uh, Mike Bray likes J.R. Konesny. I don't believe that he's ready to shoot the basketball on the level that, that Mike Bray is accustomed to. So it'll be interesting to see who gets at that, that A spot. Okay, we're back to football. Um, and I have uh, two questions. I put them together from Irish Boy 1. Nordame has had six close games. They can win all the remaining games, but is it reasonable to think they will? And then from Play Like Champion 7, after a close win at Virginia Tech and a loss to a top-ranked team, does this season start to give you 2019 vibes? The Irish can win out, but possibly not move out of the 10 to 15 range after winning 10 or 11 or 12 games. And the point being that Notre Dame did not move up after beating Virginia Tech for number 14 and then just moved up to number 13 this week uh, during their bye week. It, and we saw that happen in 2019, that, man, yeah. no matter how many wins they strung together down the stretch, voters were reluctant to move them up. Now, the committee, the playoff committee, will look at things a little bit differently. Yeah, I, I mean, so much of that had to do with how they lost in 2019. I mean, they're right. They're, they had an offensive performance at Michigan. Like that was hard to watch, and like kind of people still bring it up. Like, could you get to the bottom of why the hell that happened? Um, they don't have a loss like that. Losing to Cincinnati at home, while incredibly frustrating, was I don't think it's going to keep them. Out like if they go eleven and one, they'll sort of be at the back half of the top ten by default because the teams in front of them play each other. So yeah, there's they do they can't help but move up if they keep winning. If now if they lose a second game, if they lost to USC or they lost to Virginia, like why would they move up from that? Like they're significantly better than everybody else, or should be significantly better than everybody else on their schedule the rest of the way. Um, so I look, they're going to be on the cut line of a New Year's Six bowl game at 10 and two, but 11 and one, they should have absolutely no concerns about it. Yeah. I, uh, since it, when the committee gets together and Notre, and Cincinnati's undefeated and murdering people recently, by the way, if that continues and that's their Notre Dame's loss and they've gone out and won three in a row or two in a row, I guess, by the time the committee gets together, they'll, they'll rank a little higher in that. And uh, as long as you're not thinking they're going to be a playoff team. I think when Pete said the back half of the top 10, they might even reach that six, that seven range, eight range. You know, if you think about yeah. it, you think about it, who's not going to lose in front of them? Um, Georgia and Alabama don't, obviously they'll play each other probably, but there's probably only one loss coming there the rest of the way. Every, and Ohio State might not lose. Everybody else, so you really think Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Oregon, Iowa, Ole Miss, these teams are all going to have two losses or one loss. Um, you could get two losses for more than half of those teams, I bet, by season's end. Yeah, there's six games to go. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're just they're, they're going to move up. 
but but I get the point. And, and and Pete, you make a good point that the loss, the second loss in 2019 was was right. ugly. And you know, as as it relates to Irish Boy One's question, is it reasonable to think they'll win their remaining games? Well, they've won 36 in a row against unranked teams, and that's basically what they are likely to be. Virginia's now five and two. Um, it, it, we saw what happened early in the season. Obviously, nothing can be taken for granted. I mean, most, I would say, four of the games are still considered toss-ups. Yeah, look, they they almost lost at home in Toledo. So to just sit there and be like, well, that's a W. Like the, the whole, like, show me the lost joke that we had over the summer. Like, I could show you six different games that they could lose. Well, five. They're not losing to Navy. But yeah. The you know Georgia Tech probably not either, but again it's like I I do that after saying they almost lost to Toledo. So Notre Dame, they have some winning characteristics. Um, they know how to figure it out late with Jack Cohn, uh, as they've shown multiple times. But you know the fact that you have to do that over and over again at some point you get a batted ball at the line of scrimmage and that two minute drive stalls out and you lose. Yeah, at eleven and one, Nording would solidly be within the top ten, and they're definitely going to a, a New Year's Six at the at the least. I, I don't, I mean, they would there would have to be a lot to happen in order for them yep. to qualify for something more. And I don't think anybody believes that Nording is a is a playoff level team. Welch, Brian, eleven twelve. Now they're at the halfway point of the season. Has your prediction of where Notre Dame will end up? Any different? Do you think Notre Dame will be a New Year's Six team with a ten and two record? Okay. Well, we kind of walked all over that one, but uh, <laughs> well, I, I you... think we can expand on that though. I I still think it's a season of inches. That's what when Pete says you can show me the losses, you, you can show me five. I think Georgia Tech is going to be a really tough game for Notre Dame. Just everything about it. Um, coming off the Virginia game, and uh, good point. I would I still stay with the ten and two that I said after Cincinnati. I. I just think the game of inches means you don't always get those inches. So that's why I think they will be a 10 and two team. They certainly individually could win every game. They will be favored in every game. I understand that not how the sport works at all at all, but I would predict 10 and two still. Um, and like the last spot in the new year's six bowl. I would too. I think that's that. I think they will sneak in. Um, I think it'll finish 10 and two. Um, I think I hope at that point, I I'm less interested in whether they finish 10 and two or 11 and one and more who they draw, uh, in the new year six bowl, if they get to go to that one of those, like, is it, big, uh, hopefully it's the third place team in the big 10. Um, but it's, it's tricky. And, and the big 10 is if Notre Dame doesn't make the new year six at 10 and two, it's because I think all the big 10 teams just sort of each gave each other one loss opposed to a couple teams getting played out entirely. And then Oklahoma state will have finished 11 and one with one loss to Oklahoma. Like it's some, some peculiar stuff would have to happen, which happened in 2019. Like it was a really weird year for teams finishing 11 and one. Um, and that ultimately hurt Notre Dame, but the odds of that happening again, I think are low. Okay. O'Malley, who do you not want Notre Dame to play? In a New Year's Six Bowl, <laughs> NC State, Wake Forest, Michigan, Iowa, or Ohio State. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that's not how you want it. Those first two teams you know, don't even compute compared I mean, to the last one. And, an Iowa matchup in a New Year's Six would be interesting. Great. Michigan yeah, would be fun. Well, Michigan would be the most fun. Um, 
there would be some tackles for loss. However, in that game, that he would have <laughs> yeah, to Penn State, back. like Penn State, Michigan State. Right. Those would be fun. Um, those would yeah, be Michigan, fun. I didn't include Michigan State, too, because Michigan State's going to lose. Uh, Not certainly. Ohio State is my answer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. Game. And I, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I stepped out after the, the Cincinnati loss, and I certainly think Notre Dame can still run the table, but I, I sure. tend to lean towards you guys that when you play close game after close game after close game, and just because they play close games in the first half of the season doesn't mean that that trend will definitely continue in the second half, but I don't know that there's enough of a differentiator with Notre Dame to to say that. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I think 10 and two is still more likely at this point, uh, but I'll, I'll stick with the 11 one and, Hope, hope to sound prophetic uh, a few weeks from now. And a final thought for this one, because especially since you were uh, bold in your 11 one prediction. Well, now, and that was with, with Drew, when I was saying that Drew with Pine, Drew would, Pine would, right? yeah. would lend stability to yeah. the quarterback position. Pete, this is for Pete, and then I'll add it. Do you believe now greater chance of 11 and one or nine and three? Because uh, clearly, tenant, I, do, I agree. Yeah. I think I agree. 11 and one, which is a. A change from, if you asked me in August, I would have said nine and three was more likely than. Well, but what, I think didn't we have that question just a couple of weeks ago? That it looked worse. It was pre-Cincinnati after it was. August yeah. Cincinnati, what? Yeah. 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 That might have been. That might have been pre-Wisconsin, actually. In which case, nine and three seemed pretty likely because they couldn't yeah. move the ball or block anybody. Yeah. Right, and then the Wisconsin game. I mean, it it, it was kind of a it was a great program game for the defense and the special teams, but obviously the offense. There's a little bit of fool's well, in the Wisconsin game of course, yeah, we're, we're getting way ahead of ourselves because USC is certainly capable and has enough talent to yeah. come in here. And they have a they have a winning streak on the road intact. In so we will continue to uh, to talk about Notre Dame USC this Thursday when we get back with Irish Illustrated Insider. Thanks for joining us.